So for this episode, we chose not to do a swear word replacement because this is a heavier topic and it felt disingenuous to have one. However, content warning for both discussions of racism and discussions of trauma. Yeah. Welcome to Reader's Guide to the Galaxy featuring Juice Lover, 69, Paws, Garfield, hey. that's me, Lavender, Alfredo, and whoever else decided to show up this week. Me, I'm here. Your lord and savior, me. That'd be Zelda. We'll be discussing Little Fires Everywhere, the morally gray 90s quote-unquote period piece that gets you to question everything on this our, I swear to God, pause, decadary episode. <laughs> Alrighty, Garfield here again. Uh, before we get into the bulk of the discussion of this podcast, I think it is very important to mention up front that all of us in this recording session are white, and therefore we are not speaking from our own experiences when we talk about racism. We are talking uh, from a perspective of someone who's been educated on this, but not someone who has lived it. So please take everything that we do say with a grain of salt. And without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Hello, readers, and welcome to the podcast. So to get the basic plot down, the very first scene of the book has the Richardson family standing outside their burning house with all of them blaming Izzy, the youngest kid, for the fire. What? The youngest? That's weird. Normally it's the oldest with all the trauma. There are four kids total. Between the show and the movie, their ages get a little messed up, but the most important thing to remember is that the oldest girl, Lexi, is applying for college. Moody's the kid, you know, like, younger than her. And the last sibling, like, the oldest, is Trip, who is a typical jock character. Jocks. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. The player. Sport. In Sport more than ball. one sense of the word. Oh, dear lord. Anyway... Along with the kids, there's the mom, Elena, and the dad, who doesn't matter. Is he the lawyer? He literally does not matter nearly it's at all true. as far as he, the general he, like, he's, he's a lawyer, and as a lawyer, he does have some part he's in it. He's technically part but of the But he's essentially but do we care? irrelevant. Yeah, char- his character yeah. is not necessary. It's just Even the in the show, they're like, we're going to tease something, but we're never going to do anything with him because uh, he just doesn't matter. That's great. Okay, anyway, moving on. Yeah, uh, then we get a flashback to Elena playing landlord to a family of two, Mia, the mom, and Pearl, her daughter. They're the other part of the story. Well, does this really count as a flashback? Because it kind of just, like, you start the story there. It's like a record scratch kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Like, um, now, how did we end up here? <laughs> Okay, so Mia's an artist who moves around a lot, and she promised her daughter they'd stick around in this place, which is Shaker Heights, Ohio. She also has a part-time job at a Chinese restaurant, which becomes important later in the story. Mm, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, the non-spoilery stuff is that, uh, from the beginning, is that Moody gets a crush on Pearl after first meeting her and introduces her to his family as his friend. Pearl becomes friends with Lexi, and she gets a crush on Trip. Trip? Mmm, drama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mia gets worried about her daughter spending so much time with the Richardsons and thinks they're a bad influence, so she starts doing housework there to keep an eye on Pearl. Worth uh, noting that Moody does get Pearl and him caught by the cops, and also worth mm, noting that the Richardsons cops. are a very wasp-type family, and isn't, Pearl wait, and Mia are the, both black. Isn't the cops thing uh, just in the- is that in the- that's, just in, that's not in the no, book. that's not in the book. Is it not in the <clears throat> book? No. I think it's just in the show. Just in the show. Hmm. Uh, also, the show and book are essentially the same story, but also very much not. I didn't remember what they did in the book. I remember that um, Pearl said something that Mia flagged as like, that's probably not a thing you should be saying, but I don't remember what it was. Like, I don't know. Uh, oh, and I couldn't also, find anything online. Um, 
it is not specifically mentioned in the book that Pearl and Mia are black. Yeah. Um, it just, it's kind of hint, it's, there's nothing about either family's race is really implied. Yeah. Um, the Richardsons, sort of, but, um... Pearl and Mia, not really at all. The Richardsons are definitely white. I think. Yeah, yeah it talks about um, it talks about uh, Pearl's hair at one point, but it never says explicit. It never says ex- anything explicit. But isn't that which strange? I thought was very strange? Because there's yeah. that focus on like the culture thing with the Asian American kid, but with, with with Pearl, there's it's just not there. Anyway. The last important thing is that this book is very set in the 90s. Like, the late 90s pop culture references really throw you off sometimes. Um, that was the last, like, important bit for the non-spoiler section. So, Imagine being yeah. in the 90s. Yes, also, one last thing before we do get to the spoiler section. Uh, we mentioned it was a period piece. That's because it was written in, like, 2017, so technically it's a period piece it, it, it's set in the 90s but like it's i mean it's a period piece in the sense that like the college applications are entirely on paper oh yeah and the references like it, it so like you're reading the story and you're like okay this is set vaguely now because i think they have cell phones right but then like it'll mm-hmm. be it'll say something like the monica Lewinsky trial is ongoing and it, like it and they don't have google it's kind of dated and kind of isn't yeah like it's it's kind of dated and kind of isn't and uh, yeah and the way they think of like culture and race and stuff yeah. feels like yeah. more 90s like the the whole idea of their community is like this like i feel like it's kind of a post racial yeah, yeah and that's a whole thing that uh, we'll get into in the spoiler like, section a yeah. little bit because that is a big part of the um, shaker heights ideal uh, anyway now moving on to the spoiler section. If you do not want spoilers, why are you listening? Go away. This is a book podcast where we talk about books. <laughs> okay. Maybe they just... Uh, are you trying to on. make no... No, 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 no. Not yet. Oh, I am attacking okay. the audience. Don't <laughs> antagonize the audience. in the podcast. That's not how you attack the audience. Don't antagonize Hush. the audience. They, we need anyway, them to give us money. We are now progressing into the spoiler section. So as I said, if you don't want it, go away. Spoiler section. As far as like what we need to give a quick <clears throat> course on... So here's where the Chinese restaurant part actually, like that uh, Mia works in the Chinese restaurant actually becomes important because um, when she's working for the Richardsons, she hears um, Elena Richardson's friend has a new kid. Uh, her name is they Mirabelle. They call her Mirabelle, but uh, she was left in front of a fire uh, fire station with the tag, her name is Mei Ling. And... Um, Mia knows that at the Chinese restaurant she worked, there was somebody named Bibi Chow who uh, had to give up her kid because she couldn't take care of her, and um, she's been trying to find her that kid ever since she left her in front of a firehouse. Um, so, and yes, it's the same also kid. Also, she learns this from one of the Richardson kids. I don't know if that's what happens in the, in the show or not, but uh, I think she learns it from... Lexi? Yeah, I think... In the book, Lexi is talking to... Because she gets, like, quote-unquote baby fever, and she's talking to Mia, um, because she's gonna talk to anyone she can about how adorable Mirabelle... This little baby Mirabelle is, and how amazing and sweet it is that, um, this family took her in. Uh, and Mia, Mia in turn, is like, oh my god, where did you say she was left? 
fire station? Do you know what fire station? Because she knows that Bibi Chow left her baby, and ever since, because she was in a bad spot, the father had left her. Um, she was, she she was, was essentially sick, screwed. Too. Like, she was both physically yeah. ill and also, like, having a breakdown, which yeah. is valid in her situation. Yeah, like, she was totally screwed over, did that because she thought that that was the right thing for her child, and now is regretting it, and that's the whole basis of the lawsuit. And also, I like, get the time, I think she um, she didn't know that there were resources she could get, and there was no one to tell her, and so when she was sick and she had no money, she was like, what am I gonna do? And also, essentially, yeah. because this is the 90s, a lot of resources were not readily available. No one was gonna tell her about these resources, and... She had to work, like, a full-time job, and that's extremely difficult with a newborn baby. Yeah, like, she was in it alone, she probably had some form of postpartum depression, and she didn't have enough money to help the kids. So, you know, giving the kid up, hoping that it'll survive, or, like, do better without her, is an incredibly honorable thing to do. And I don't even regret her, like, I also don't begrudge her, at least in the book, you know, trying to get her kid back. Um, I think in the in the show it's a bit more like she's a little bit more in the wrong, or at least they kind of portray it that way. I don't know, but the book at the very least, I personally was on her side. I was too. Um, I mean, I think both in the show mm-hmm. and the book, like she comes out looking like she did the right thing every time, and she did the best that she could do. Whereas like the other family just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I think Kit Kat said that because it becomes this whole thing about who's the baby's real mom. Like, is it adoption or is it uh, her, you know, biological? And in some cases, it did kind of skew a little bit close to, you know, birth mom is the only real mom, which is obviously something I don't think is true. Yeah. yeah. On the other, on the other hand, Bibi was. Like, I think in this particular case, it was somebody who made a mistake and was trying to atone for it. And that's... I feel like that's a little bit different, but... I also think there's, like, no one right answer. Like, they both loved her and would have cared for her. Yeah, and also, uh, specifically in the book, I don't know anything about the show, I haven't watched it yet. But, um, something that comes up, specifically in the, um, in the courtroom, is they're asking the family, I forget their name about um how they're gonna teach mailing uh about her about her chinese heritage yeah like what are they gonna do and the adoptive mom brings up this book that portrays a very harmful stereotypical view of chinese people um and like it Basically, they treat, they, the way it's portrayed in the book is, like, this family is going to treat this little girl as if she's white. Yeah. Yeah, that is When she is The rest of the world isn't going to see her that way. And, yeah, and this also plays into how Shaker Heights works. Like, it was designed to be this, like, kind of utopia where everything works just fine, everything's perfect for everybody, and, like, it's about like social acceptance and all that stuff when in reality it's a bunch of wealthy white people yeah. who think like they're hip with the stuff that they're woke uh that they know what's going on and that they understand like the fights that um people of color uh, and any any other minority face 
when in reality they don't and they're living in kind of like this bubble of a safe haven where they don't have to deal with the stuff going on in the outside world and like the stuff that is going wrong everywhere else and because of that they don't like they don't understand this family doesn't understand why treating Mei Ling this way would be so harmful and I think it, Lexi says it too is like it's so wonderful she's going to be brought up like an American girl and she's she's going to fit right in and she's not going to feel different but she will feel different. The difference isn't bad. You just have to acknowledge it. Right. Yeah, and this is a society that doesn't. Right, and so if you don't acknowledge... If, if you don't... Okay, that's why, like, colorblindness can be a bad thing if you don't see someone as they are and then, like, respect them for it and then instead of pretending that there's yeah. something else because that inherently suggests that what they really are is bad when that isn't true. Yeah. Like, yeah. It is kind of near, so with the context of what we had, I think in America, I can't speak for the 90s, I was never alive during them, but it is kind of impossible to divorce someone's culture from themselves, especially when other people are going to look at her and have their own connotations. And it's, if you ignore that part of her, I think I've seen a lot of, like, I, obvious, I'm not Asian, so I don't know, but I've seen a lot of TikToks where people who were raised in predominantly white areas, but were of, you know, any kind of ethnic minority, and looked it, had a lot of trouble fitting in with the beauty standard, figuring out, like, how connected they wanted to be with their culture living in America, and that's, you know, it's important to have that conversation, and keeping that away from Mei Ling, I think, was ultimately going to be a detriment to her definitely yeah and also this really ties into what's happening what's been happening especially in this past year with COVID-19 and the rise in hate crimes against uh, East Asian people um, and Asian Americans in general um, with so much violence um, COVID like essentially making it making people feel okay in unleashing their hatred and all of that and like it ties into like this whole like colorblindness is harmful because if you assume and you say like oh I don't see race it ignores the um trials tribulations the oppression and everything that people experience and go through and especially in a time like right now that is so harmful because if you try to separate the actions from what have caused these actions and the underlying problems that have like led up to this, nothing will get solved. Okay, you can't just yeah. And it's also a lot of media now kind of tries to frame it as like it's individual people that are the problem, and that's kind of where like I don't see race. I'm like I'm a you know woke. I'm a good. I'm I'm not racist, uh, and that ignores the very real systemic pressures that keep this stuff in place. The system is kind of built to perpetuate itself. That's that's kind of how it works. It's made to keep the people in power in power and to keep feeding itself. And so when you say that, you ignore a lot of very real harm that is currently being done and you're making it impossible to fix it or de- destroy that system and make it better. And it's ultimately, it's just making a lot of stuff really bad. And um, like what Alfredo said, that's kind of why this thing was set in the 90s because this was I think, so I watched some interviews of the cast, like when they were, um, like of the show, 
and because again I didn't live in the 90s and they said that the 90s were a time in which you know the US was kind of coming to terms with this or at least this was part of like a big part of the conversation and so having it here is kind of like part of it you know yeah um plus like like trying to live in like a quote-unquote post-racial society it's like yeah that's not a thing we are not there I think one of the changes they made in the show, and there, I think there, there are a lot of them where they, like, address race more, because obviously, like, since it's a visual thing, you can, like, you can't really ignore it as much as they do in the book. Um, because, so one of the things that they change is that in the book, Lexi um, kind of takes advantage of Pearl and has Pearl write her college essay for her. Yeah, that, that was an Pretty okay. much. Yeah, well, in the show, I believe what happens is um, Pearl has this experience where she's discriminated against based on her race and possibly her gender, um, where, like, this math teacher doesn't want to let her take an advanced math course because he doesn't think that she can handle it. And Lexi steals that story and um, pretends that it's her own experience and writes her essay about that. So that was, like, one of the many, like little changes that they made in the book or in and the it's show. like Ooh. it's it's driven a lot more home because i think lexi's boyfriend who's mm-hmm. i think he's explicitly black in the book like he's but he's yeah. also you know in black in the show and um he he goes up to pearl in the show and he's like are you okay with this and i couldn't remember that scene in the no, book i don't think so it but i'm there. really it wasn't yeah but i'm really glad they put it in the show because it was like a like are you sh- I, I i thought that was an interesting scene i thought that was cool Hey, are you aware of this happening? And if so, are you okay with this? Uh, I think the book does a good job of like, like talking about, like not not necessarily explicitly talking about, but like kind of like showing like, hey, you cannot treat a child of color like she had like that like her heritage doesn't exist because we live in a society that sees that first. Yeah, and Lexi's um, quote-unquote best friend, I think, is also Asian, and that's, like, um, that also created an interesting dynamic because Lexi was very much on the side of the McCulloughs and the family that had adopt or wanted to adopt the child, um, whereas her best McCullough's, friend... McCulloughs, that's their name. Yeah, her best friend's dad was representing... Uh, bb chow i believe yeah oh yeah uh what is uh i just wanted to make sure that we mentioned somewhere that the mccullough's are also shown to have wanted to get a kid like a lot in the book to the point where like mrs mccullough i think had a bunch of miscarriages and i think it's driven more home in the show but again the moral gray means that they're not painted as bad people they've been trying to have a kid for years and it's worth i just wanted to put in there somewhere that like They've also been through a lot of pain. Just, just yeah. They like she's had miscarriage after miscarriage. Like they've had adoptions that have fell through. I think she had a stillborn um, child as well. She did. I yeah. Um, and like they are very much not painted as like the enemy or as bad people. They just they but they are people who don't understand why what they're doing is not quite right Mm -hmm. like they think they know what they're doing but they don't and they think that what they're gonna do is gonna give her the best life possible and they just because they live in a place especially like shaker heights they don't 
have that perspective of or understanding of this is not going to wind up being the best for her when she grows up. Also, another thing I feel like we should mention is all of us on this yeah, call are white. So do take what all of us say with a grain of salt because we are not speaking from our own experience. We are speaking from what we learn, from what we've um, read in news, from friends, but we do not personally have experience with this. Yeah. Um, We do have experience with other things. Um, Like I am a queer woman uh, who is also of Jewish descent. So I have experienced uh, discrimination and hate in those ways, but never on account of my race. So I don't know what that feels like. And the rest of us also do not know what it feels like to be discriminated against for our race. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you said that. Um, Can I say something else that I thought bothered me about the trial? Something, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is in the show, but in the book, what kind of rode me the wrong way was when the lawyer... The lawyer who was um, defending the McCulloughs in the book was saying that the McCulloughs would give Mei Ling or Mirabelle a better life because they were a two-parent family with money. And I was like, that's not a good reason. That's not the reason you should give to decide who gets custody. That's messed up. I mean, not as far as custody, but it's also kind of irresponsible to ignore that the McCulloughs did have more money and that was a part of it. Like, financially speaking, they were better off. And that was a big part of why it was such a big thing, is because, you know, it was a very wealthy neighborhood, and the McCulloughs were very well known, and they were wealthy as well, and BB wasn't. And so based on who was writing the media, and they mentioned the media storm a lot, based on what frame they wanted to go for, they, they harped on that one a lot. Like, I'm not going to say the two-parent versus one-parent house. I don't think... But I don't think we should ignore that that is a decision that comes into these kinds of court cases generally. And I'm saying generally. I haven't looked into this kind of legal stuff at all. But, like, it is something talked about. Yeah, And especially with this one in particular, the judge does end up siding with the McCulloughs. So the likelihood that the state of the family having two parents and having money without a doubt in my mind, had some influence over the decision that was yeah. made uh, in this court, in that court case. Like, Oh yeah, no doubt. I don't doubt that that was a factor in it. Because a lot of times, and you see this in like society as well, outside of books, people, um, like money is so important, especially like in society because we live in such a capitalistic society and so we put that as like one of the highest priorities um and bb chow did not have money um she i think she worked multiple jobs she was single and had given up her baby in the first place and here were the mccullough's with they've been trying to have a baby for I think like 20, like ever since I got out of like, out of like high school or college, they had been trying to have a baby. Um, and they couldn't, they'd been trying to adopt and it would fall through. And then finally this baby's left on the door of, uh, on the, like the doorstep of the firehouse. And it's like a blessing to them. Uh, like 
But then this whole court case, court case ensues, and they're like, oh, my God, now what? And then you, they're just, without a doubt in my mind, the financial state of the McCulloughs was probably a deciding factor. Although we don't know that from mm-hmm. the story. It's just, we just know what the decision was, not why the decision was what it was. I think also, I mean, um, I think also we should talk about Mia and her, like, how she, like, ended up with Pearl. Because <laughs> it's complicated and it definitely <laughs> affected how she felt about, uh, like, com- understandably affected how she felt about um, the trial. Baby Chow. Yeah. And, yeah. So basically what happened was that when she was at art school and we get like this whole backstory from her and the show basically has a whole episode um, on her backstory as well. Um, So when she was at art school, um, she basically her financial aid fell through in the second year, I think. And um, she'd been approached by someone on the subway who gave her his card and her to call because he and his wife couldn't have a baby and so they were looking for a surrogate and she looked very similar to his wife so he was like Like they looked identical yeah and the book she was like it was like looking in a mirror yeah in the show they don't look that similar to me but nah i mean that's also more of a casting it's a lot harder to find two people who look yeah but i thought they would just use the same actor yeah that makes sense like with twins I think that would be too similar. Yeah. No, because like, do Pearl their hair also had to be 16. Like, I think much. I looked at Lexi Washington, double. who plays Pearl, is, was, like, actually a teenager, and I think they tried to get it, like, kind of accurate. And um, it's kind of hard to, like, de- like, de-aging somebody takes a lot of money. Like, uh, it would not have been feasible. But they could have aged I mean, up um, the... Captain, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, um, I actually looked this up recently. Um, they didn't use a second person for small, uh, small, weak, uh, Steve Rogers. They just shrunk Chris Evans. <laughs> and that is why the face looks so weird. Yeah, but to be entirely fair, Captain America the First Avenger is a Marvel production. It's a summer blockbuster with a budget of a bunch of money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, the... It, it's spectacularly done. I just... I think it's hilarious that that is how they did that. Because, like, I thought that they they hired, like, some, like, person who had, like, a weirdly similar to Chris Evans' face. But no, they just shrunk Chris Evans. I loved the... So the show, I love it when they have, like, different actors playing the younger versions and they, like, take on the same mannerisms as the older character and, like, they just do such a good job of it. Like, I, I... yeah and it was pretty well done in this show yeah it was you could tell which was really like i love it when it's like you could tell that that was very clearly young mia or like it was i I thought that was really cool sorry very unrelated to the whole book but now i'm thinking about marvel and i'm thinking about bucky barnes so he had like okay when he was like with hydra um he was going on missions for like 90 years basically Yes. How did that man not age? They froze him in between. They put him on. They like, froze like, him cryogenically between. But he was out for like for like probably collective time of about yeah. two years. Like they trained him, 
they'd make him do the mission, he'd rebel, they'd freeze him, and they just rinse and repeat that. Like, that's... I think that was yeah. in the show. Yeah, again, he was probably only out for a grand total of two years. Because yeah. they cast Sebastian like... Stan and they want to get him in this pretty style. They don't want to keep... Sebastian Stan is, very, is a very attractive man. Alright, let's move on to not this. Oh yeah, so the gay. end of... <laughs> The end of the story with Mia is that, um, I can't remember, uh, so basically her- She claims that she lost the baby. Yeah, well, I think, importantly, first, her brother dies. I don't know if that affects her decision-making, but- Yeah. Her brother dies in a car crash, and that's also interesting, because I think cars are, like, a repeated theme, because she then basically travels a lot her whole life and is always driving somewhere new and packing up all her stuff. Um, and so then she decides to keep the baby and she tells the, um, the people who she was being a surrogate for that she lost the baby and had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and she drives across the country to California. Yeah. And so, um, Ms. Richardson, Elena, um, starts like doing, at one point starts doing research into Mia and Pearl and it's like, what do you, like, how do you have on a birth certificate father unknown? We're recording in here. How does that, how does that work? Um, and it's because the father didn't know that this baby have, was born. Yeah, sometimes also, like, you have to imagine that there's people out there that might not know exactly. who the father of their child is exactly. Uh, for various different reasons with various different uh, levels of morality. And also, like, someone might not want to acknowledge the father and have that play a role in it. Yeah, and I mean, she doesn't tell Pearl any of this. Yeah. She doesn't tell Pearl until, like, the very end. They have to, because, like, Pearl needs to know why they're leaving. Yeah. Which I think makes sense, because I think she's worried that, like, they might take Pearl away from her. Also, like, the, the ending of this book is so... Sorry, pause. Fucked up. Like, the fact that Mrs. Richardson did that to Mia and Pearl, and, yeah. like, basically says, like, do you know what your daughter did? When, in reality, it was her daughter who just used a different name. Yeah. Even then, it's not it's a Pearl's thing. name. And even then... Okay, we have is... to explain all this. Okay, cause... yeah, I mean, okay, this is just my personal yeah, okay. opinion. I just don't think... Yeah, okay. So... Um, Lexi, um, gets pregnant by her boyfriend, Trip. Wait, no, 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 her brother's name is Trip. <laughs> not her boyfriend, her boyfriend Trip. Name, <laughs> her and her boyfriend bone down, and he gets, she gets, he gets okay. pregnant, yes. That is how pregnancy works. She gets works. an abortion, okay. she gets an abor- like, time. she, okay. So, Lexi gets pregnant by her boyfriend, not Trip, that's her brother, <laughs> Um, <laughs> who was sleeping with Pearl, by the way. Who was sleeping Got with an, Pearl. Uh, um, that's important. <laughs> okay, anyway. Sweet um, home Alabama. No! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, move, um, what I was saying, so Lexi gets pregnant, and she's like, oh my god, I'm pregnant. Oh, our babies would be so cute. Oh my god. And she's to her boyfriend, who is not Trip. Um... <laughs> says what if we had a baby and he starts freaking out because like they're teenagers they're about to go to college they don't know how to take care of it and she gets upset like um because she's pregnant uh oh also like i feel like i remember this moment so like her boyfriend is like 
black, by the way, and and he thinks, and he says something like, "Oh, everyone will think that," uh, yeah. like it plays into this right. stereotype. Like just another like, get, uh, just another black guy knocking up a white chick right. before they go to college. Yeah, and, and of course, and Lexi she's like, a yeah. girl because she signs into the clinic under Pearl's name, which is another way that she's using Pearl for her own. Isn't that this some of the sh- like actually oh, yeah. illegal? That is- like highly illegal. I mean, why does she just have a fake name? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, why? That's also illegal. That's also illegal. In the show, I kind of highlight it that it's like you know Lexi's mommy issues because it's just not something that she she wants her mom to ever know about because her mom's kind of a control freak. And her I mom, mean, her mom does find her out. Her mom is friends so, with the director of the play. Yeah, like. Uh, I, I think generally, uh, Elena Richardson kind of ends up being the villain of the story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Lexi goes in to get an abortion, uh, has Pearl uh, drive her home, because you cannot drive yourself after you have an abortion. So, Not even drive her home, drive her to Pearl's house, where Mia takes care of her, and like... Yeah. Because she because hasn't told any of her family members... And her, her mom is out in... Pennsylvania visiting Mia's parents trying to yeah like find out what the fuck is wrong with this girl like wrong with Mia like why is she like this the whole situation is messed up yeah cause she's like upset about the well she's basically just upset at Mia for existing and yeah. her perfect her, like, life orderly life she blames everything that went wrong on yeah, and Miss Richardson, I think she has yeah. a whole backstory of her own kind. But um, so I mean, okay, so in the show, yeah. she has this backstory where like there was this other guy who she had this plan with, like she was dating him in college, and she was like, "We're gonna get married. We're gonna move back to Shaker Heights. We're gonna have three kids. We're gonna like blah 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 blah." And then he basically is like, "I'm not. I don't. This isn't like what I want for my life." And he ends up like writing with the New York Times, and I don't think that's in the book. Something I mean, they, similar is in the yeah, book? Yeah, and then... They do this um, whole thing where it's like she wanted to do something with her life and then got scared of it, I think, is yeah. kind of what it ends up being. Like, she had a plan, yeah. she got scared of it, she... she mar- I think... I think Bill is the first person She followed says. through with most of her plan, just not And she let, she let the fear sideline her. I believe also, she wanted to be like a... show, like... Um, there's, like, this flashback where she basically has a really rough night, like, four kids that are all, like, crying, and her husband's at work, and she really doesn't know what to do, so basically she ends up calling her friend who works at the New York Times now, and they, like, go to a bar, and she basically, like, they- she considers having an affair with him, like- like they oh. they do kissy kissy they go to a hotel room and then like that yeah that did that not a- happen yeah. in the book i know and it's like so out oh, of character yeah, that was, for yeah, her because she's all about the rigid rules yeah exactly also i i don't know yeah and then like in the present when she's going to new york to investigate mia she also meets up with this guy again and she's kind of like they they drink a lot they go to di- dinner together and then she's like you want to go to my hotel room? And he's like, wow, you have not changed at all. And he, like, and that yells at her. isn't in the book. Yeah. Kind of the version of that that is in the book is she calls him, mm-hmm. not actually goes to New York to see him. Yeah. Yeah, wait, I think I, I might be wrong. I've, this was a long time since I read the book, but I think Mia, like, wanted to be, like, a journalist or something. Wait, but she Mia kind of, or Her Helena. career kind of stagnates because she's Helena. not. Yeah. Or, sorry, um, Miss Richardson. Her, like, 
yeah, Elena, yeah, whoops. But then, like, her career stagnates and she kind of gets stuck doing these, like, boring... Yeah. Yeah, because nothing story. happens in Shaker Heights. Yeah. And then it feels like that whole age was old, like, even in Shaker Heights, that whole thing about in the suburbs, about how you live the same life as your parents and you end up in the same place. That, that's kind of what it feels Literally it feels live like in the same, same home. I yeah. think also her life is very much derailed by her kids. Like, like obviously she loves being a mother, like, and she wanted to be a mother, but it's clear that having kids impacted her career especially so young too right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. right and then there was a whole thing with izzy too uh uh, the pregnancy that she had with izzy was her hardest she's like i'm never doing this again um but and like they all thought like all her siblings and her thought like oh izzy was a mistake but she was like Mrs. Richardson had so much hope at first and then so much fear because Izzy was born prematurely and she was always looking for these signs and eventually, like, anger took over the guise of her fear so that she just, like, got, like, was like, at Izzy, even though, like, she really, really cared for her. It just came out as, you're you don't do anything right right. i forgot that because in the show and it's also like do you know how much i've sacrificed for you kind of energy which is not good yeah once again please do not do that if you have children do not get angry at your children for existing and being children once again like when people tend to um how do i say this uh project their own problems onto their kids is how you get mommy and daddy issues and that is like they're so prevalent because that your kid up forever it takes a lot of time to actually work through the damage that causes and it's very clear that lexi you know no izzy gets really is really really in pain because of this and to the point where i'm pretty sure in the in the book i think she's the only one that is implicit is implicit in the fire she is in the show i'm pretty sure it's hey no spoilers all of them oh okay darn I mean, this is the spoiler section, but, like, in the show, it's very much like an Elena poisoned all her kids kind of narrative. In this one, it's specifically Elena took her damage out on Izzy, and Izzy couldn't take it anymore. Because if you have, you know, the person who's supposed to nurture you, blaming you at least quietly for everything, that that hurts. That just that just hurts. Yeah. In the show, it's that, she, like, she only planned to have three kids, and Izzy was, like not part of her plan which is i kind of like the book version better but that's just also an interesting thing difference yeah uh zelder what were you gonna say i heard you talking so oh i was uh i was just making comments in the background (laughs) okay Um, yeah sorry this one this book's not very funny it's more serious so it's hard to have like yeah does the, the girl that commits crime ever get for uh, committing crime? Know. She essentially Does is that... on the run for the rest of her life. Yeah, this is, yeah. The book ends there. So, the book ends with, I'm pretty sure, uh, so the house is on fire, Mia and Pearl have left, uh, Izzy is trying to catch up yeah. to them, I'm pretty sure. I think it's something like that. Uh, and then that's where it ends. Like, we, and, um, BB takes 
Mei, like she she uh, kidnaps, I guess, Mailing from the McCullough's house, and like that that's where the book ends. We, we yeah, we don't know if May if uh, I actually don't think we ever know if Phoebe ever made it to China. If Izzy ended up meeting Pearl and Mia, if any of that happened, it ends with I feel you like trying fa- with you like, kind of like it yeah. ends there with you to think about it. Can I add something? Uh, I think this part in the ending kind of made me think that the book was also talking about which family Izzy and Pearl feel like they belong in. Because, at least in the book, I think it's clear that Izzy relates a lot more to Mia than to Elena. But then you find out at the end that she has that, like, rebellious spark that Elena had but was, was, like, quenched as she grew up. But then Izzy herself, like, wants to be with people like Mia. So I think it's also the theme of, like, the, the family you're attached to versus the family you choose. And I think at... Um, Izzy's age that's hard because she's still a kid but I think like as an adult that that's beneficial the ability to choose who you belong with but yeah and with Pearl she's like very much attracted to the stability that the Richardsons have because she's been moving around her whole life and um she really wants like the perfect like house and like the seemingly perfect life that they all have yeah, she wants stability because she's never had it. She's never stayed in a place for longer than a few months. She's never had friends, and now she does, and she has to leave them behind. Yeah. It's just a mess. I feel like that's probably where kind of the, like, the other side of it, where, like, Mia's, you know, lived in one place, and she didn't like it. So she assumes that her daughter will like, you know, go along with that. Like, so I think what ends up happening, and this is my own reading, is that Mia kind of projects herself onto Pearl. Like, you know, we're the same. I didn't like it. You won't like it either. I I know best. And, um... Mommy knows best. I generally for... Te- for Mother knows best. Yeah, Mother generally knows. that doesn't tend to work very well because, you know, it's, um... If... if, if Kids are their own person. They're not just extensions of their parents. And when they're treated as such, it's, again, harmful to the child and their mental well-being and their psyche. And, and it's also harmful to the parent, too. Yeah, because then, the the, you know, like, there's a... What am I doing wrong? I thought I was doing everything right. And if your child doesn't live the life that you want them to, you feel like you've done something wrong. But in that case, you have to recognize your child is their own person, they're going to live the life that is right for them. This sounds a whole lot like yeah. a whole lot of trauma. Yeah, it is. It is a whole lot of trauma. It, it is. Um, the book is a lot more of a... I mean, the book is more of an examination of, like, what it means to be a mom specifically. Like, you know, what... That whole thing is... Um, and a lot of that is specifically about the trauma mothers can inflict upon their generally daughters. Um, the, the boys don't really end up being a part of the discussion as much. Um, I feel like, you know, generally in media we get, yeah, I mean, in media you tend to get more daddy issues than mommy issues, and I guess, like, partially it was because, you know, a woman was the one writing this book, um, and she was writing about her own experiences, but it was really interesting to see this whole, like, what does it mean to be a mom, not only because we don't really get that really analyzed or, like, like, talked about that much, but because it, there was just so many, like, different things going on. Also, when you look at media in general, I thought that was cool. It's... Media especially is, like, it's often from the man's perspective. It's often about the dad. But it's not even necessarily the male gaze. It's just, like, it is about the man. 
not the woman. That's that's what I'm saying. Like it's because I mean I feel my theory is that partially because since men are the ones you know writing most of the stories, they kind of they they kind of tend to write about what they know and what they and know is, is you it know is what important it is to be a guy they because they are guys. Try to assume that they know stuff about other people. Because what they do, I mean, it goes poorly. See, to describe women? oh god, I can't even <laughs> name one. <laughs> you know, male authors um, describing women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, like, I'm just kind of thinking, like, this is just like the title of the show. Never watch the show. It's like How I Met Your Mother. It's about the dad. Like that title is like it is about the guy in this in this case. It's like how I'm how I met. Yeah, no. not how your mother and I met. Uh, I was just gonna say for how I met your mother. I've never watched a show. Actually, it's not true. I think I watched an episode or two because someone made me. Not important. What is important is not this, but uh, uh, like. Is doesn't like the mom only come on in like the last couple of seasons and then nope, die? No, one season. She's in the last season, in which is also the season they kill her, and then in two episodes they undo oh, basically eight years of character development. And that's a whole other thing about the danger of planned endings, and that we can go into that later. But I think like the the bigger problem here is that yeah, this is why I just like I think it's more like Ted is. If you look back on especially how I met your mother. Ted is the one narrating the story, but if you actually examine anything he's doing, and he's framing it as like, I'm just a romantic, quirky guy, it is genuinely harmful behavior sometimes. Like, you know, sometimes you kind of get trapped in this loop of like, I'm doing this thing for love, I'm always in the right. And if you see nothing to challenge that view, you... It's just gonna help you perpetuate it. Like, that's I think how you get, like, the not all men thing, where you... Like, yeah, it literally is that's physically not, not all that's men, but else. it is enough men to make that generalization to keep ourselves safe. It's like what you thought was okay, or what you thought was, you know, not harassment, might have actually it's been the same a thing with like, and maybe you should think about that and do the, like, the oppressor cannot of, hey, deem maybe I shouldn't do what that is oppressive. Uh, yeah, Juice Lover, what was it? Can we smoothly transition into um, the gay ships? <laughs> the queer representation the in the book and the- there was Kit, no the gay in the book. Okay, actually, uh, uh, Kit Kat actually has a theory that um, Mia specifically was kind of portrayed as Ace Arrow, in which she I did agree. not find Ish, but it also is not explicitly saying so. It's kind of yeah. like and. But that's the same thing with the race. It's, in a way, yeah. queer-baited. You know, I don't know. Yeah, like, you can have unfulfilling sexual and romantic relationships, not because you can't experience sexual or yeah. romantic attraction, but because you're just in but, a bad I mean, relationship, in the show, that she, she's explicitly bi, and Izzy's explicitly gay, I think. I, the Izzy, well, like, I really cool. like the Izzy that's story, but I wish book. they'd kept me a asexual in the show and made it more expensive. um in the in the book uh it basically says like mia has never been in a relationship and the last person yeah the last man she saw naked was her brother when they were kids mm-hmm. I-, I think it's like in the i saw on tumblr a lot of i think not a lot of but some ace arrow people said that they saw themselves mm-hmm. in mia and um 
it while while uh no tumblr is not fun the point here is that a lot of people a lot of ace era people saw themselves in mia and i also thought it was an interesting like she was i like the fact that she was never condemned for that like it was never like a she never found you know solace in like you know that kind of thing it a was fact of her yeah, life yeah so in the show she has a a relationship with her professor and her mentor um well, it's not. They no, don't make it no. that weird in the show, but like, just no. But that's weird because yeah. considering the book, yeah, yeah. In the book, well, that would be wrong because well, she was a little. I kid. mean, she's a college student, but it's a weird p- power dynamic. Well, I mean, it's still a weird power dynamic, but they. I mean, yeah, it seemed very consensual in the show. I mean, like, a lot of things are better than what you were thinking. Like, I think the only real time when it becomes a problem is when you're in that person's class. Like, well, I, don't, I don't know. This is opinions and also not relevant. Also, so Izzy's whole thing in the in the book is that, like, she wants to rebel and, like, not fit in. Or she's struggling with, like, her mom really wants her to... Juice, uh, Juice Lover has literally written in the script document, Izzy equals be gay, do crime. It's true. So in the show, like, that's... She does do crime. It, and she's gay. It, arson. <laughs> yes. And in the show, she's, like... In the show, the whole thing is, like, she doesn't fit in because I mean, she, who doesn't, like, like be gay, her do best crime. friend, her childhood best friend or whatever, like, they're growing apart because her best friend starts spreading this rumor that Izzy kissed her, and then you find out later in the show that basically they were at a party and they were playing Spin the Bottle, and, like, they ended up, like, doing this seven minutes in heaven thing or whatever, and so they're both in the closet together, and it's very clear from their interaction that, like, they're in a relationship, so they start kissing in the closet, and then the people outside open the door and they see them kissing and then her friend is like, oh my god, like, get off me. And then basically, like, plays mm. that off, which I thought, like, really made her... We love internalized homophobia. Yeah. It made the story a lot more interesting for Izzy, I think. I don't know if that's necessarily internalized homophobia as much as it is, like... The essence that's, of that's, like that's, I can't let other par- people that's a know part of that internalized homophobia. Me. Also, um, another thing, uh, we can cut this out. I just want to say it, um, because it's not related at all. But uh, I swear to God, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Why do they end the episodes there? Oh, okay. Um. Anyway, I feel like we should at the very least mention the the trip and moody thing before we move on to talking about the adaptation. Men are disgusting. Um, I don't... Basically, it's just two boys. I mean, yeah. yeah, I can get behind that. Okay, basically, so Moody has a crush on Pearl, right? And uh, Trip is dating Pearl. And when he finds out, Moody does this, like, Secret dating Pearl. Complete 180, like... Secret dating Pearl. So when he finds out, he's, like, super... He does a complete 180, and it kind of feels like the nice guy Mm -hmm. syndrome. It is 100% nice nice guy syndrome. That's what they're going for. Incel. It's just, yeah, I feel like I just had to put that Incel. one in there. 
Incels are just turf okay. for men. Now that we've addressed all of the plot lines, um, so Hulu adaptation, an actually official uh, blanket time to talk about the thing that we have been basically mentioning the entire podcast. Because two of and you cannot differentiate Hulu... between the two. I mean, the thing is, is that the Hulu adaptation is the thing that brought the book a lot more mainstream mm. popularity. It was nominated for an award. It was like a thing. And, you know, this is, when you think Glitter Fires Everyone in the Cultural Consciousness, this is what pops up. And so, like, it, th yeah, I feel like this is an interesting one to talk in about. That, so the Trip and Moody thing in the ab adaptation, um, like, one of the things that happens is that mm -hmm. Trip tries to give Moody advice on how to win Pearl over, and he's basically like, yeah, just be an asshole, and, like, chicks love that. And I, like, I hate that it... I mean, it feels like a very teen boy thing to say. I'm, like, again, yeah. it didn't feel out of character for Tripp to say it. That's literally yeah. that. Yeah. If he's that's, mean to like, you, he it's a very teen boy thing to say. I just don't. Yeah, and agree Moody's like, that, there's no way that's going to work on Pearl. Like, she's not like other girls. And it's also a very, like, society thing to say to men be an asshole and you'll get women to like you because you see it so mm -hmm. often in movies where the asshole guy is the guy that gets all the girls and then you know kids were gonna try and emulate that which is where that happens and then doesn't work out so well in real life because yeah, yeah um just a little psa dudes one don't hit on me i am a gay please don't you're wasting your breath um two don't be an asshole to girls if you're trying to get them it does not work. You're just going to make them feel very uncomfortable and afraid to say no to anything you want them to do. That is coerced consent, so just, like, don't do that because that's kind of illegal. Um, just, also, just a little just bit like, of crime. Be nice and you will actually get places. Be genuinely nice and do not expect things from people, especially, like, oh, what's the subtext that I like? Or it's like, Oh boy. Bitch, please. Subtext my ass. You're just being a nice person and you think that that is enough because people don't show decent human kindness enough. It's like, no. No. That's not how that works. Let's not do that. You know, I entirely forgot that I haven't been, like, hit on since I was 13. Um, I'm so jealous. No, no, no. But, like, the thing is, is that I was hit on when I was 12 and 13 and then they kind of, like, stopped when I started. Oh, yeah, I was too. And I stopped, like, and started wearing... And you were offered alcohol. Yeah, but it's like, it, why was that the age range and not when I was actually of legally, you know, older? Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, also, uh, telling people you're a minor is fine anytime because if that's what gets but creeps off, but sometimes it that's doesn't, what gets and creeps that's concerning. No. Also, that like the actors who were playing teenagers. I mean, I don't actually know if they were teenagers, but they did not look like they were thirty years old. Yeah, I feel like having the plot lines actually Hello, be played by kids. teenagers. They didn't have um, Andrew Garfield playing a teen. They, I mean. They did, um, they did what the Tom Holland Spider-Man did in comparison to what the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man did. I would argue Tobey Maguire is on the other end of that spectrum. He is. Hey, well, also, in uh, that, yeah. uh, he wasn't a teenager, really, in that one. Okay, the point, the point here is that the casting actually helped no, drive the point home. No, he was not. Because the actual children do that, like... 
Lexi particularly looked really, really young, and she had the whole pregnancy plot line she was, or like the abortion plot line, and it was like, um, and especially since they drove it a little bit more home and made Elena more the villain in the show, it like having that kid just it, it hurt. Okay, yeah. More, so like Izzy, the um, actress who plays Izzy, is seventeen. The one who plays Lexi is twenty. So they're pretty much teenagers. Yeah. And they were probably she was probably yeah, a teen when she was also playing seventeen, Lexi. and Trip yeah. is nineteen. So yeah, they're all. They're pretty close. Like, if not exactly, then pretty close. They're, They're very close supposed to be... What, what, what age, are they in high school or college? Apparently her, um... Lexi's boyfriend's name is Brian. I liked Brian. Brian! He was not trip. Not trip. This man be doogie <laughs> getting girls um... pregnant. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I am trying to comedy, but, but like, it is uh, not working. Like, having them be, like, our age... Um, especially Lexi with, like, applying to college, getting pregnant. It was, like, the only thing that, like, didn't resonate Uh, with me is the high school parties part. Never been to one. These are very universal experiences. (laughs) Never been invited. Never known when they were happening. I just know they happened and that um, people have been going to parties and not wearing masks. Anyway, yeah, I think one thing that I should mention about the adaptation is that it was a lot harder to you know, consume, like, they they kind of capitalized on the cringe of the situation a lot, which made it kind of, like, I haven't finished it, I don't think, like, I know what happens, but I haven't finished it, and it cringe was hard comedy. to get through. It was, it was a lot. Yeah. yeah, so, like, in the book, Mia's very understanding and caring, I would say, like, opposed to, like, like, she's presented as, um, kind of the opposite of Miss Richardson like she's really wants to listen to the kids and like for example she's like supporting Lexi after Lexi gets her abortion whereas in the show um she's a little more like understandably jaded and like bitter and angry oh. like she's I mean so Mia and Elena are argue like argue a lot and their interactions are like super passive aggressive or slash aggressive aggressive yeah like Like from the beginning uh mia's a lot more like again in the in the book she's very sweet and understanding for most of it like even with elena she she gets like the elena's kind of put a bit more i don't know like i mean it makes sense like people are horrible to her throughout like on her first day in shaker heights Miss Richardson like calls the cop on, cops on her for sleeping in oh, her car. Oh, I thought the punchline. Which interestingly is paralleled later in the show when Miss Richardson is sleeping in her car in, um, like. Gets the cops called on her. No, she doesn't have the cops called on her, but a cop does like come up to her window and he's like, "Oh, like you are you okay, ma'am? Like you should be careful, like falling asleep here." This is when she's investigating Mia's parents, and he's like, "You should be careful, like this isn't a great neighborhood." And I was just like, oh, "The parallel." And that parallels like the white yeah. experience versus like being a person yeah. of color. They did, they did the that same yeah. thing in one episode in which um, I think Bibi Chow is uh, like seventy something, seventy nine cents or something short of uh, paying for baby formula, and she is right. yelled at and kicked out of the store. Whereas I think Izzy is seventy nine cents short for a bus fare, and she's just waved in, and you know, 
Oh, I did yeah. not remember that, that. Yeah, that was one of the few episodes I actually watched it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think also for, like, the book, you never really know the tone. Like, I think a lot of the dialogue was taken from the book, but we don't actually know the tone. We can only kind of tell how people reacted to it. So I think mm-hmm. some parts of the dialogue made sense. Um, some were definitely, like, as in, like, some parts were, like, taken from the book, and they were delivered differently than I would have expected, and some were just straight up different. Like, um... It was, I, I don't know if it felt more real. It did feel more realistic, I think. Uh, the book kind of had a bit more of a like fairy tale quality to it, kind of like a bit more of a poetic quality. It is a book, but you know. Yeah, and that's like the value of like an audiovisual adaptation is that you can see how people react and hear it instead of just trying to imagine it. Mm-hmm. And you can put a lot more into one scene in a show because you can show so much more than you can on one page of a book. Yeah, so, like, sure, in don't contrast tell. to how, like, supportive um, Mia was after Lexi got her abortion, like, in the show, she's, like, obviously, like, takes care of her when she immediately comes home and, like, she makes her tea like she lets her sleep in her bed and like she's super understanding but then Lexi's like do you think I made the right choice and that's when Mia's like you really want my opinion like you took advantage of my daughter like you like my daughter skipped school to help you um like and then you used her name in like went like instead of your own and like then you made her drive you home and like now you're taking advantage of me and like I've been doing housework at your house for like months and you've never said thank you at all and now I'm like taking care of you more and like I'm just done and she's like so you can wash out your own mug and like for once and it's like I feel like that's a good example of how her character is different in the show Sh- I mean, ships? we generally have, like, a more lighthearted oh ship segment, but, um, in this particular case, uh, every single presented ship was kind of not, like, a little bit toxic to very toxic, and they don't work. They so, don't um, work. this is a lot heavier of an episode than we normally do, and so I can't, having an oh ship segment just didn't, like, I put it there just in case, but I don't think it makes sense yeah. in this case. Like, I think it makes, it's more realistic (laughs) in the fact that, like, this is kind of a toxic environment, but, uh, yeah, not, not something we can kind of, like... this doesn't really sound like a book that you would, that's necessarily written to be read, uh, for the enjoyment of the audience. It's more to be, like, an interesting kind of thought piece and, like, a, like, a here's experiences in, that are happening in the real world, what are you gonna do about it, kind of thing. It's yeah, more it of a, a really real world book, piece yeah. than like a reader's enjoyment piece. It's more like an English book. Like it's based on the author's actual uh, experience. I don't remember if she mentioned that if something like this actually happened uh, back then, but it is based on real people, and it's kind of like a a character study or like an analysis of you know the things going on. Yeah, around it's the time. kind. It, it sounds more like a book that you would read in like an English class. It's a, it, than like yeah. a book that you would read on it's an exploration own. type thing i am not really like cool. i i thought that was again we yeah. don't really read like i've never seen a lot of modern books try to do something like this 
and um, yeah, it was it was an it was basically just a analysis exploration type thing. So yeah, this is why I haven't been talking because I uh, don't read the sh- and then react comedy wise, which doesn't work for this episode. Trip's Ooh. first name is Bill. Bill Trip. Bill Trip Richardson the third. That's a name. <laughs> it is so I mean, pretentious. <laughs> I mean, it's better than Moody. Who names their kid Moody? Like, yeah, who, but... who has. Well, it's apparently. His name yeah. is Michael. Michael Moody Richardson. Yeah, that's a bad name, but also the other guy sounds like he'd be a white supremacist. Okay, and I don't, like, I don't know who this character is. Why but do like... all, all four kids have first names that are not what they go by in the book? Lexi, Alexandra, Trip, Bill, Moody, Michael. They all want Izzy, to seem unique. Isabel. That's true. Uh, and their parents are bad at naming. Like, how do you, you get, get Trip from, from Bill? Richard? It's a middle name. You, you ask nicely. <laughs> Listen, finally, she understands some internet culture. You better believe I'm making that joke. Okay. Do Does anyone have anything they want to say for the wrap up? Um. Sure. I think. Like, this book really, it's not a, it's not a fun book. It is a book that you read, and it is fun, but it is not funny. It is, you are, you're learning, and you are, like, experiencing someone else's It's a book that makes you have to stop for a little bit. Like, once you read it, you have to put it down and think about it for a little. It's a book that's meant to be learned from. You can't yeah. read it passively. And I argue you definitely... I think as far as books go, you're not... You can't read a book passively, and I think this makes really good use of that fact. Of Like, I think it does really good in using that media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says... Wait, hold up. Go back. Go back. You can't read a back book passively, says the girl that wrote read the book uh, that skims I'm all books. I'm saying if you're actually reading every word on the page, you get into it. Like, you... You cannot read... If you're reading the book all the way, you can't read it passively. That's what I'm saying. You, you're involved... You have to read every word on the page. Yes. I, my my call-out is that you have stated that you don't do yes. that. Yes. There are times when I don't actually read a book or I skim it. I am saying that, that I don't consider that actually reading. I consider that skimming. If I'm actually reading a book, you have to read every word on the page, basically. If you're actually reading it. And Yes, that is how... Reading works. <laughs> Look, I'm simply stating the fact that books are kind of inescapable. You, in order for the plot to move forward, you can't close your eyes. You yes, can't that is how them. books in order work. For the plot to move forward, Correct. You have to sit down and you have to read that plot, and so like as opposed to a movie. Right. So I'm saying that because you can't escape it, or like you you have to be involved in it, you you have to think about it, and so because like it's in your head, and so let. And this one really takes advantage of that yep. to make you think. Like, there are some books, like, I can read it, like, for example, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I, I read that over break. Like, you can read that, and you don't really think about much once you've read it. You're just like, oh, that was funny. Same like, um, I also uh, read Gilded Wolves over break. I personally really enjoyed it. I had nothing to think about once I finished it. Look, that that book is like this book does make you think, and it makes you sit alone with your with what you've read for a little bit. And 
I highly recommend the experience. This has been Reader's Guide to the Galaxy. So long, and thanks for all the books. Next week, we're going to take a look at Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the place where I stole this outro from. Goodbye. Disclaimer! This will not be next week. Probably not even next month. Reader's Guide to the Galaxy is a U-High Book Club production. This episode is written, edited, directed, and produced by Paws and features the voices of Juice Lover, Bus, Alfredo, Zelda, Garfield, Lavender, and Paws. The outro was composed by Alfredo and Lavender, and the cover art was done by our resident podcast hater. Thank you for listening, and have a lovely day.